Today on the LA Food Podcast, I'm your host, Lucas Servodio, warning you to take your Ozempic because this episode's about to be fat as fuck. That's fuck with a PH, by the way. I'm ecstatic to be joined by friend of the pod, Michael Kanata, who you might know from social media where he shares restaurant recs and recipes under the moniker of Fat Fuck. That's also fuck with a PH, by the way. Michael stops by for a wide-ranging conversation that covers what he's been eating recently, what the heck New Haven style of beets is all about, and why he doesn't consider himself a food critic. We then play a brand new game called The Perfect Rec, in which I ask Michael to provide the perfect restaurant recommendation for a series of hypothetical and rather outlandish dining scenarios. So, if you've ever wondered where you'd recommend Walter White and Jesse Pinkman stop to eat after a particularly taxing meth cook, we might just have the perfect rec for you. So, without further ado, let's chow down. Today on the podcast, we've got a very special guest. Uh, You might know him as Fat Fuck on Instagram. That's fuck with a PH. Don't come after me, FCC. Uh, But I call him Michael Kanata. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, I haven't seen you in a few months. I know we, uh, we, we should probably tell the listeners we, we met, uh, and met up for the first time doing an, a, a pizza run, a pizza, a beats, a beats, man. I, I screwed that up royally, which um, is funny because you're from Italy. I, well, you know, it's, ne- a, it's a Neapolitan accent, right? Except it's like a bastardized Neapolitan accident accent. I think we will get into that a little later, but yeah, I, I, it is pretty funny that the, uh, a beats we can have a conversation about a beets and pasta fajoule. <laughs> and, and, and mozzarella. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All of all of the greatest hits. Uh, well, man, I think for the listeners at home who maybe uh, don't yet follow Fat Fuck, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your account and uh, and how it all got started? Yeah. So the account, um, I'm transitioning into more of my voice, but it started. A while back, a buddy of mine and I started the account as kind of a a joke to see how many followers we could get just posting food pictures and ridiculous captions. And he and I did it together for a, about a year. Then he did it for a couple of years. Then the account sat dormant. And then during the pandemic, I was like, you know, we have 10,000 followers. Why don't I just start posting about pop-ups and whatever small restaurants are trying to make it through and see if we can at least get them some business through this platform. Dude, that's, so this kind of started as like a social experiment and you just amassed 10,000 followers. Correct. How did that happen? I mean, it's, it's really hard to get followers on Instagram. Well, this was a long time ago. Yeah. You know, oddly, I don't even know if she still follows me, but Tiffany Haddish used to follow me, which I thought was <laughs> the weirdest thing. What? Yeah. That's hilarious. So this was like this account was really like part food, part comedy, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just us kind of fooling around. Um, you know, I think I tend to get in over my head with ideas, and the idea was initially to take something that at the time was incredibly precious. You know, um, when we started it, everything was like Food Network. Like, you know, food is almost like a, a a decadence it's not right. just something we do and so i thought that was always ridiculous so i wanted to have the character go to really fancy restaurants and describe it in the most 
ridiculous terms possible. Like, like you know, this foie gras is dope and shit exactly. like that. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and which, I, which, which kind of became mainstream eventually with like, you know, uh, what's his name? Action Bronson getting on the scene. But you were kind of avant-garde in that sense. Yeah, I thought it was, um, you know, it started as a high-minded concept that we quickly realized we didn't have the financial backing to go to fancy restaurants all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> we had to uh, eventually figure out different ways to uh, post content, but we did. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun at the beginning. And then after a while with, you know, like you said, it became very normal. Like Action Bronson came out. Um, Eddie Huang, is that? I yeah. hope I'm saying his name right. Eddie Wong, I think. Yeah. Eddie Wong. Um, he, you know, there, there were just more and more people that had that experience and could speak more eloquently about food in the way I wanted to than yeah. I could. So I, I stepped away. I was like, yeah, you know, this, they're doing it better than me. There's no reason to continue. Well, I mean, but you didn't step away. You, you kept it going eventually. And, and you say you're now finding like, or you're now using more of your own voice. What does that mean? How has the content changed? And, and what do you do? Like, like, are you going out and reviewing restaurants or is it mostly just, are you picking or are you just showing the, the, the followers what you're eating on a day-to-day basis? It's more just showing what I'm eating. Um, I don't really think of, of reviewing. I'm nobody to review a restaurant. I don't think critics are anybody to review restaurants, to be honest. Um, you know, I think most, most people can judge for themselves. I'll tell you what I think. But uh, like, I think when I think of a re- reviewer in a very traditional and classical sense, I think of someone who has an opinion that surpasses that opinion of a normal person. And I don't think anybody yeah. really has that power. Yeah, it's true. I, in fact, I find that food critics are probably some of the worst people to uh, to review things because – they're not the people in the kitchen who are actually doing the work, um, but also they're so removed from diners and what diners want because they're almost like too well versed in, in like the uh, in the ins and outs of the of the restaurant industry that sometimes they're looking out for things that your run of the mill diner might not even look at. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I don't think um, I was funny. I was what was I? I went to a, a dumpling shop last night actually. And I was reading the reviews and all of the reviews were just about what people expected versus what they got as far as, you know, I'm used to getting seven side dishes with my dumplings at a Korean restaurant. And I was like, why can't we just take each restaurant for what they are? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. It's like if, if, if at one place I had 18 banchan, I'm not going to expect 18 banchan at every restaurant. Perhaps that new restaurant has four, but they really specialize in them. Why does everything have to become a competition? Exactly. Yet I'm saying that and I'm rating 100 sandwiches uh, this year and rating them against each other. So, uh, you know, I'm not practicing what I preach, but I totally appreciate where you're coming from. Although I will say that I do appreciate your your review. Uh, I'm not too uh, wax too lyrical about this, but I do appreciate the way you review things, which is not through the lens of harshness, but through the lens of what they do well and how that what they do well stacks up against what other people do well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I. It kind of goes with what you were saying, what you tried to do during the pandemic when you realized, hey, I have this platform that has 10,000 followers. Let's see what I can post in order to give small businesses a hand, give pop-ups a hand. Um, I kind of started for the same reason. you know. I wanted to go out there and get into the community and talk about pizza shops that were doing cool things. And it was never about you know 
bringing anybody down or, or shitting on anyone. It was always about, you know, trying to get the word out there about good places, celebrating what people were doing. Yeah, exactly. That was really my, that's, that was my goal during the pandemic. And, you know, it's just fun for me to do it. Yeah. Um, there's no really a method to the madness. It's just yeah. whatever I'm feeling like, which I think I said earlier, I'm making it more towards my personality, which is really my personality, you know, yeah. It's like well, esoteric comments about, you know, Andrew Wilde solving Fermat's final theorem and bechamel. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's also kind of irreverent, though. It's like it's yeah. not it's not just esoteric. Yeah, I feel like you you strike a nice balance between uh, being esoteric, but also like talking to people in the language they talk all the time. I've really enjoyed your cooking videos recently. I feel like a lot of accounts do either food reviews or recipes but rarely both and you're kind of doing both right now yeah yeah i started doing it more for tiktok because it, it again it i'm just doing whatever interests me at the time and yeah. I, you know i'm always cooking something i i'm the type of cook that i could eat comfort food every single day of my life which is you know we make a pomodoro and spaghetti or a quesadilla those are my two like main comfort foods. Those are your so, go-tos, pomodoro and quesadillas. Yep, that's it. Well, quesadillas because I ate them so much uh, in my late teens, early 20s, because all it costs is tortillas and cheese. That's yeah. all you need. Yeah, it's and, true, man. For me, it was PB&J. I was, I was that cliche. Uh, I, I don't blame you at all for that. What kind of yeah. bread, though? The bread's the most important bit. Back in the day, I used to, I was pretty basic. I used to go to like Vons and get the uh, nature's own bread. Are you familiar okay. with that one? Yeah. I so am familiar. I just liked how soft it was. You know, I, I came over from Italy um, and our, our bread is, is like, you know, it's a really tough life over there because it's really good bread, you know? Yeah. Um, so I wasn't used to this, like, you know, really crappy soft stuff. Um, and I took a shine to it um, when I came here. It was almost like the novelty of it. So I wanted my like PB and J on the softest, fluffiest, most like processed bread possible. I, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, uh, I, before getting on the podcast with you, I was at the store and I was trying to find a baguette and there, there is like something bizarre about European bread that Americans don't, most Americans, I should say, don't really understand, which is, you need to strike a balance between super soft and wonderfully crusty on the and exterior. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I don't really want to go to a French bakery every time I want a baguette, a baguette's a $3. It should be a $3 piece of bread. I know. But now, uh, I think whole foods, at least the one in Glendale is carrying tartine bread. That's pretty, that's pretty good bread. Oh, that is pretty good. I didn't see any out here. Yeah. I, I'm not really, I say that like I'm a regular whole foods shopper. I'm really not. I'm uh, I'm not that bougie. I'm more of like, just like a basic Trader Joe's bitch, but that's okay. That's uh, okay. Wh where do you shop? Um, I kind of hop around. So um, I grew up in Connecticut uh, yeah. among, with a Sicilian family. And um, so I'm very used to going to Italian delis. So I make yeah. the trek to Burbank to uh, the Monte Carlo or in Pinocchio's. To do most of the, the tomatoes, pasta, you know, pepper shopping, and then I'll bounce between Ralph's and Whole Foods for my everyday shopping. Yeah, Ra Ralph's is underrated, I think, I, I, in terms of just like having everything and always having good fresh produce. Yeah, it's, it's, I always like to – well, especially in this area because there's nothing but rich, rich whites around me. Um, the, uh, 
uh, you do. It's like a it's like a Whole Foods light. You know, they have a sushi bar, but it's not as good as the Whole Foods sushi bar. Yeah. So things like that. Yeah. It. it you know, you make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've I've heard excellent thing about Pinocchio's. I haven't heard of Monte Cristo's. What, it's what, uh, it's it's one and the same. I'm not, oh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which because one of them is the restaurant, and I don't know which one. Got it. I think. And, I think I've heard of Pinocchio's as a deli. My barber, um, it's actually really funny. My barber is not Italian, but he thinks he's Italian because he grew up a bunch of uh, around a bunch of Italians in uh, in Long Island. Okay. Uh, and so he's he talks to me like you know we're one and the same, um, which you know I never I never tell him not to. I I never tell him to stop because <laughs> it's kind of endearing, you know. So he was telling me, oh bro, you gotta go to Pinocchio's. Pinocchio's has the most legit sandwiches in the game so i feel inclined to go but can you confirm that their sandwiches are legit uh you know i've actually never had a sandwich there wow I, uh, okay well then we'll have to go together yeah I'm, I'm down to do that together because for the most part like i'm i i'm bougie in weird ways like i'll buy the deli meats that i know are good like especially things that for some reason they don't sell them at, like your standard grocery store like imported mortadella mm-hmm yeah. Well, that's what you really go to a deli for. I go to Roma Deli is my deli of choice because it's close ish mm-hmm. uh, to where I live. And there, you know, they slice up the mortadella, they slice up the sopressata. And that's that's why I go there. You know, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, don't, I don't really need the canned tomatoes. I, I have a theory that like canned tomatoes are the differences are just marginal. Right. But right. the differences between fresh mortadella and anything you can find at your garden variety grocery store that's a huge difference so i i have made the statement before like fresh mortadella is the only thing everything else is bologna <laughs> i love that speaking of bologna did you see that like the la times a couple weeks ago put out this article on uh on mortadella no i didn't what it, it- it was you'll love this. So they said the hottest trend in meats right now is mortadella. And I'm thinking to myself, literally this is like a thousand year old product. Uh <laughs> like <laughs> to call this a trend is like, I don't know, calling the wheel a trend or something. But, yeah, I I thought for a while, and it, I think it is gonna happen because more and more pizza shops are veering away from pepperoni and using sopressata. Yeah. And um so I'm I'm waiting for the day that the LA Times writes that article. Right. Hot... So, so Prasada is the new, is the new, uh, the hot new trend in Italian pepperoni like meats. Exactly. Which, which will have my Calabrian uh, ancestors <laughs> rolling over in their graves. You know, it's funny because uh, we, we were kind of talking about this at the beginning, but I always think of like uh, New Haven style pizza yeah. as, as like that like bridge between. That's when we decided that there was such a thing as an American style pizza. Yeah. Like yeah. a beats like there like for all of its oh, it's a unique style. It is almost quintessentially American. Well, okay, look, let's step back then. I, I feel like our our listeners may not know. I'm sure many will because they're foodies, but some might know what a beats is. Can you tell us for what, what that is for a second? Yeah, so New Haven style pizza is referred to locally as a beats and it's spelled a pizza, um, <laughs> which is the, the way I have to describe it to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> the name comes from a, 
um, from my understanding, the Neapolitan accent over right. time is devolved from what it actually was, which I, I don't actually know how it's pronounced in Neapolitan, into a beats. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. I, I, my grandfather was Neapolitan, and you know, if I'm to imitate his accent, I could see how you could get to there. He'd probably be like, I'll be too. And I could see like how that would probably get to a beats in American. Right. So I, I can understand that. But to your point, it's not really a Neapolitan style pizza at all. At all. It's like it's uh, it's made primarily in brick ovens. Is that right? Coal. 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 Uh, coal there you go. Um, yeah. So Frank Pepe and um, kind of the original founders of the New Haven style pizza were bakers. Yeah. And they just started doing tomato slices because it was a mostly industrial town. Even now, um, actually, I guess that's not true. Um, the surrounding areas around New Haven are very working class. Um, and, you know, 100 years ago, there were industrial workers in the area. Yeah. So you'd come, you'd get a slice of tomato pie for a nickel, and it became such wow. a hot thing. That's That's where the the style grew from people liked it so much you know um traditionally you'll get it it's pretty thin char on the edges um if you go to sally's it's going to be oblong if you go to frank's frank's has become something of a chain i, I know that nobody in connecticut's going to approve of me saying that but you know <laughs> well, I feel like- you say you say it's charred i mean that's kind of an understatement right Did, when we yeah. ate it you said the the telltale sign of a beats is if your hands are like dark and dusty from the coal on the crust that's correct that's correct that's uh it's the only thing that i approve of having burned char on my hands after eating yeah well i uh i feel like i could probably come up with some other examples but i uh feel like a pizza is such an iconic style of pizza even if people don't know it as a beats you hear of new haven style as a sort of like mecca of pizza in america and uh it, it's a really unique style in my opinion because unlike new york or chicago or detroit there don't seem to be good versions of it outside of this like you know what five square mile radius in connecticut pretty much um throughout connecticut you might find a place here and there that does a good version of it but Actually, Connecticut has a lot of Greek-style pizzas mm-hmm. that people never talk about, which is also a style that doesn't really exist anywhere else. What is Greek-style pizza? Uh, a lot more basil, um, a little bit of a thicker crust, fresher ingredients. You'll find like olives, and um, you know, it just I, I wouldn't be able to describe it with any sort of um, yeah technical precision. mouse. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It sounds it sounds it sounds like uh, thicker makes me think of Sicilian, but of course you know the toppings uh, sound very Greek. Yeah, uh, not not that thick. You're you're still going to get it round, and it, everything's close, right? Like you're never going to unless you're we're talking about a deep dish or a Sicilian or yeah. a grandma. Everything's in the same universe. Right, 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 right. Well, okay. So not to throw any of Beats places in Los Angeles under the bus, but we we kind of agreed that what we had that day wasn't necessarily a beats. It was pizza, you know, and it's pizza that a lot of people like, but 
it wasn't a beats. And I, I, I wonder, do you think it's possible for there to be an a beats place open in Los Angeles? You know, I think it would be pretty damn hard. I think one of the charms of New Haven style pizza is you can't really replicate those ovens. Yeah. They're like from the 1950s yeah, I, or something, right? Even earlier, I think, I want to say the 20s, but what wow. do I know? Yeah. So, you know, there, there's no real way to replicate that. Beyond that, it's just not cost, it's cost prohibitive to recreate a, an oven like that in California. Yeah. Not to mention, I, like, coal, you'd probably have people, like, boycotting you and, 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 and protesting your restaurant. Exactly. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't really do that. So everything has to be a close approximation. I know the um, – I forget their name. They do smorgasburg every week. Is it, week. like, Urban Pie or something like that? Yes, yes, yes. He's trying to replicate that through a wood fire oven. And um, like Ozzy's, it's, you know, it's, it's a close approximation, but I wouldn't say it's – it's not the same. Yeah. And well, it's, even, it's hard. If you, can't, if you can't use the coal oven, you, it seems like you just can't get the same. Exactly. It's going to be close, not, not perfect. Because yeah. um, even within those, you know, we say New Haven style uh, beats. But I, if I gave, if we went and we went to Sally's, Frank's, and Modern, right? Let's just say you and I flew out and we're going to do a pizza day. Three places that make the same style of pizza are drastically different. Yeah, yeah. There, there is no like uniform flavor between the three. Right. It's kind of like if you went to New York and you went to like four different pizza spots. They might all be New York style, but you'd be able to detect differences. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think the uh, the general. You know, I love doing that. I actually did it with a kid out in. Uh, he was in, from Connecticut. But I uh, was living in Boston. We met up last summer, and I toured him around New Haven through the the pizzerias. And you know, he had grown up there and never tried New Haven style pizza. He grew up in New Haven. No, he grew up in Connecticut. Okay, that's he, that's I guess slightly more forgivable. Right, he grew up in Northern Connecticut, but still, you know, it is it's it's a weird it's it's very regional, and I think that with the with the prevalence of Cooking shows and like eating shows, people are starting to become more aware of New yeah. Haven style. But if you're not from the area, it's very easy to uh, not realize that there is a very specific style that exists there. Do you have? I I know it's kind of like it's kind of like saying you're a blood or a crypt. But do you have a preference between pizza styles uh, or between pizza parlors in New Haven? So growing up, we always went to Modern. Okay. Modern beats. Uh, that was so. That's my favorite. But this last time we went, I think I was enjoying Sally's a little bit more. Wow! I, so you're throwing up. You're throwing your pizza you grew up with under the bus. I, I don't think I am. Like I'll always lie to people and say it's modern. But <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, the truth is I was really enjoying Sally's last time. All right. It was well, a little surprising. Good to know you're not exactly a loyal guy, but uh, you know you'll, this. I think what this means is you're just gonna have to take me on a pizza tour through uh, through New Haven sometime. There you go. We'll just we'll tour the East Coast. We'll we'll start at uh, we'll start in um, Province, and then work our way down. I love it. Uh, well, I, there's a there's a game I want to play with you today that we're playing on the podcast for the first time. But first, I want to hear 
what have you eaten lately that stood out to you? So, um, you know, a buddy of mine just moved back to LA. Uh, he's the owner of Bedlam Baking Company. So he bakes cookies and cakes and all that stuff and gives it to local coffee shops. But he's also obsessed with food in a way uh-huh. that, uh, in a way that I hope I come across, but I don't think I have the same passion. And he, <laughs> he's taken me to like these guys that are just doing pop-ups and they're doing insane work. Uh, we went and had a baker called Baking with Ish. And he was doing traditional, or not traditional, but he was doing Filipino-style desserts. Oh, wow. What's and that, they, like a lot, of, a lot of ube? A lot of ube, um, you know, uh, salted egg, things like that. Oh, wow. That's, it was, sounds delicious. It was so good. It was insane. Baking it, with Ish. Okay, we got to put that in the show notes. Yeah, Baking with Ish. Fantastic. Um, let me see what else. You know, it's going to sound pretty basic, but uh, we went to Petite Trois for brunch the other day. I've still and, never been, so that's not basic at all. <laughs> and like, I've been on a, just a croissant kick. Like, And there's a, there's a place in Granada Hills, which for people that don't know, is northern Los Angeles. It's 20 minutes from where I live. It is a trek to get there. But there's a place in Granada Hills called Breadology. And uh-huh. their pastries have been blowing me away. Really? Breadology? Yeah. Yes. It sounds like uh, the knockoff version of Pieology, that, that pizza chain. It really does, but it's spelled. It's not spelled with a Y. It's spelled with an I-E. Uh, so it's like Breadology. Exactly. It's, it's French. I just Got it. I can't do the accent. It- <laughs> That's okay. I'll do it for both of us. That, you know, I'm 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 heartened to hear that you found a good croissant because one of my friends had this theory that there were no good croissants in L.A. Even like even like Republique um, and the types of places that you associate with excellent croissants. He's like, mm-hmm. they just don't cut it. Yeah, that one's that one's been my favorite croissant so far. Okay, well then it's- we'll have to go check out the croissant of Bredology. Least bougie place. Um, yeah, but I'm mostly that I haven't really, um, I ventured onto a few restaurants recently. Um, we did the APL pop-up, um, oh, cool. like Casa Vega. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I just had Christy Vega on last week and she was telling us about it. And, uh, how was it? It sounded incredible. He's a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. yeah. He, He's, there's... have you read uh, Stanley Tucci's book? No, I, I highly recommend it, but I, uh, I could be wrong and completely be mistaking uh, Adam Perry Lang with somebody else, but I'm pretty sure Stanley Tucci is close friends with him. And uh, he tells a story of like APL, as he refers to him, um, going to his house to basically just like cook an entire pig in the backyard. And it was a hilarious story of just like Stanley Tucci did not have the equipment necessary to roast an entire pig. So they literally <laughs> had to go out to Home Depot and build an entire like uh, entire like contraption just to fit a pig inside. Uh, and, and of course, Adam Perry Lang was like, no problem. I got this. Yeah. he. So um, a friend, a really close friend of mine works with his wife and he is just one of those people that seems to figure out how to make it work no matter yeah. what i love that but yeah i, I you know when I, talk, when I talk about people like adam perry lang or um this baking with ish there are certain people that are just so talented they they really do take that from cooking to artistry like there is the, yeah. that fine line 
and they're clearly on the artistry side of it. Yeah, no, there's there's nothing better than when you like come across one of these people in the food world who are so passionate about it and so it's not even knowledgeable. It's like because knowledgeable implies that they have something perhaps memorized, right? And they just kind of go to work and churn it out every day. No, like uh, one person who comes to mind is Daniele Oditi, the pizzana guy. The pizzana guy, yeah. Yeah, I mean that guy, he is literally a dough whisperer. Like he I, – I, I feel like he gets up every morning, talks to the dough, asks, asks it how it's doing um, in order to figure <laughs> out you know, how much of the other ingredients it, it, it needs in order to be its best self. Um, he's honestly like a therapist for dough, but it, there's something so – so artistic about the way that he approaches it um and so yeah i totally hear you with that there's there's a different class of 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 chef out there yeah my buddy diego who um was doing pop-ups and will probably continue to do pop-ups as astrano is opening his restaurant or it might have opened recently at the button mash oh yeah wait um what is his restaurant uh i forget the name i seem like a real jerk now it's okay. We'll we'll look it up and put it in the show notes. But I remember uh, hearing about uh, Button Mash was going to come back with some fire food. Yeah, so he's opening that, and that guy is the same way. He probably he probably doesn't like to come off as passionate as he is, but he thinks about everything. Yeah. in such a unique way, and I, I you know I'm so happy that he's getting us doing this. Well, Button Mash historically has had great food. Uh, it's it, For those who don't know, Button Mash is uh, like a barcade in Echo Park right near Dodger Stadium. And um, Starry Kitchen back in the day used to, used to make their food, and then they sort of pivoted to doing more general just like bar food, but it was incredible. Um, so really excited to hear that they're going to have good food again. Yeah. You know, he's, he's worked for a bunch of really – big restaurants in Los Angeles. And he's, he said he just didn't want to treat people the way he was being, he was treating people at the time. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for him. I'm, I'm happy to see what he's going to do. All right. So that's, that's what you're excited for. Uh, last question I have for you before we go on to the game, but I want to, we've talked a lot about like the good food, you know, but I want to mm-hmm. hear like what, what kind of trashy food do you love? What's your like comfort trash food? Oh God! Uh, I mean, I love a I love a Kraft Singles grilled cheese. That's it. That's it for you. The Kraft Singles grilled cheese. I think so. I mean, on what I kind mean, of bread? Oh, uh, you know what? Though? I do. I do kind of cheat here because I get like a nice sourdough loaf, mm-hmm. and I'll hand cut the the slices myself. Just this tr- is not trashy. This is like something that I could see popping up on like a new American menu and they charge like 14 bucks for it as an appetizer. It's still craft singles though. Yeah. But that would be like the, the, the attractive <laughs> the, the, part the of kitch, it. The kitchen. Yes. It? Yeah. Right. It would be like, it would be like, um, craft single grilled cheese on, you know, 72 day fermented <laughs> sourdough. <laughs> that juxtaposition. Exactly. Uh, I guess the, I guess if we're, if I'm being honest, there the other thing that I think is pretty trash is I'll eat Taco Bell from from time to time. I'm down That's, with a Mexican pizza. Yeah. Oh, I've never had the Mexican pizza. I promised that I was gonna review it, but I never got around to it. What do you uh what do you think? I mean it's just it's almost it goes back to like that grilled cheese thing where it's like there is just 
there's such simplicity in the flavors, but it is it is bizarrely well balanced. Even though everything tastes cheap, if that yeah. makes any sense, because the saltiness of the cheese, the tanginess of the tomatoes, the the umami of the the meat, which it's barely meat, and, <laughs> and the the textural component of the crispy shell, all of it works, but it's trashy. I mean, they literally probably cook that up in a lab, you know, where they where they try to get all of those flavors and textures and make sure they're checking all of the boxes. So it's not entirely surprising that it kind of hits all those notes. Yeah. There's just like some weird scientist. Yeah. It's like an algorithm. It's just like an algorithm. They just like pop. They're like Mexican food plus pizza equals, and it just shits out an entire recipe for them. Which is what my argument was. um, So I, that's why I don't believe people when they tell me they don't like McDonald's. Yeah. it's no, created. It's, it's created by a scientist to make it taste good. No, scientifically, it's supposed to tickle like a part of your brain that triggers addiction, right? Right. So, chances are, if you say you don't like it, you're lying. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I remember I was watching something years ago, and the um, the chef for Cato was on, and he was talking about how McDonald's is just delicious. Like, there's just no two ways about it. It's delicious. <laughs> I I feel like chefs, especially there, there's like um almost like an inverse relationship between the fancier the chef and the more basic food they like. Like yeah. like I bet like I've heard David Chang talk about some of like the nastiest food as his absolute favorite, and I just think that there's a, a certain point where you see how the sausage gets made to such an extensive degree when it comes to fine dining that you kind of revert back to like the very basics of food. Well, especially people like, like that, because think about when you're, you're prepping your, your food or you're creating, you're just tasting everything all day. So yeah. you know, the flavors, your each component at a certain point, like I don't, I, at least, you know, I'm me and I'm not a chef. I'm just an average guy. Sometimes I just want something simple. Yeah. I hear that. That's uh, where you get the craft uh, single grilled cheese on 72-day raised sourdough. That's right. We're going we're gonna to try it on olive loaf next, see how that works. <laughs> I love it. Or try it on one of those uh, breadology croissants. That, that might be a very interesting sandwich. You know, I got to – this is completely off topic. I'm going off book here. I, I got it. a real problem with uh, croissant sandwiches because I don't, I don't think it should count as a sandwich. Why? That's that's it's, that's a deranged opinion. <laughs> it's hard. It's almost impossible to eat a croissant sandwich with your hands because it's like too buttery, or, too, or like, yeah, or the construction buttery. doesn't work. The construction doesn't work. Like it's too flaky. You know what? You're starting to convince me. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like if you're going to have a croissant sandwich, the, the croissant needs to be amended at least in shape in exactly. order to accommodate a sandwich. You you, you never want like a because okay. A, like when you get like a very buttery, flaky croissant, it's it's very long and um, not narrow, but there's only one meaty part in the middle. Yeah, you construct that sandwich. It it's there's no way to do it right. Yeah, unless point, you just like unless you like take a mold out and like you know exactly per- perfectly slice out the meat that you want that fits the croissant exactly. But then you get that that would be an insane way to do things. <laughs> So most times when you get a croissant sandwich, it's typically, well, at least here, 
it's a breakfast sandwich and it's yeah. a knife and fork sandwich, which yeah. does not count in my book. Oh, knife and forks. So what do you think of the torta ahogada? Is that not a, not a sandwich then? I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the opinion that a sandwich must be eaten with your hands. Wow. Even so, okay. If you go to like Philippe's or Cole's and you get it super wet, uh, like, do you force yourself to eat it with your hands? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, I, I'm <laughs> no, I'll eat it with a knife and fork, but you know, that's an, I'll say this. I, I allow some leeway for an adjustment to the sandwich. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if, if it's like a burrito, if you're going to drown it in sauce, drown it in sauce. I'm not going to do that. But you've made the ch- decision to change it. It's still, yeah. at the end of the day, a sandwich. Because yeah. like Philippe's, you're supposed to dip it. Have you been yeah. at Philippe's yet? I haven't done it on my countdown. I've been many times, though. I think I'm going to pit it against Coles in the same review and see which one wins. I'll, I'll go to Coles with you if you if you go to Coles. I have a – because I haven't been at Philippe's in years. And I remember really enjoying – Coles, but almost exclusively for their hot mustard. Oh yeah, I feel, well, I I do think condiments carry a lot of the weight in the French dip sandwich because I feel like dipping it in the juice makes everything kind of one note. So you need something that really stands out. And at Coles, it's the hot mustard or the the mustard. I forget if it's hot or sweet. But at uh, Philippe's, you got to get horseradish. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the only way to roll in my book. Yeah, I think that's true from, you know, I think yeah. about French sandwiches in general. Like, I need that Dijon, like, horseradish, yeah. nose astringency mustard in my life. Yeah, it's got to hit you where, the, where, like, it hurts, you know? Exactly. Well, okay, speaking of things that hurt, you're about to play this game, and, uh, and you could win it or lose it. But um, before we do that, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, now for the very first time, we're debuting a game that I'd like to call The Perfect Wreck. This is how it works. I'm going to give our guest, Michael Fatfuck Kanata, I'm going to give him a hyper-specific dining scenario. And what you have to do, Michael, is you have to come up with the perfect restaurant recommendation for that particular scenario. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, this is really going to put you to the test. So here's the first here's the first scenario. You've just landed your dream job wearing the Pluto costume at Disneyland. Everybody knows that the first move you have to make in terms of office politics is to take Mickey to lunch. Where do you take him? Are they dressed in the uniform? Of course. A- yeah. Oh, okay. No, in uniform. First rule of, of, of wearing a costume at Disneyland, you never get to take it off. Gotcha. I'm taking him to the griddle. The griddle. Okay, let's hear why. What, what's your thinking there? So he's got a big mouth. Just grab those pancakes and shove them in there. I love that. And you think that's that's the way to impress Mickey and make sure that he sticks up for you in the office politics? I mean, it's it's the only pancake that can fit in his mouth. Everything else is just the silver dollar. That's fair. That That's actually very considerate of you, honestly. It shows, it shows that you have his back, you know? Exactly. I'm thinking about him. Yeah, no, that's good. I love that. Okay, that's that's a pretty solid answer. We're going to the next scenario now. Are you ready? Go ahead. Okay, your elementary school bully hits you up. They they think that you two are cool now because it's been 25 plus years since he stuffed you into a locker and ate your lunch, but you haven't forgotten. He's coming to LA for the first time and wants to know where to go for dinner and drinks. Where do you send your bully? 
am I going with him or no. is he on his solo He's, adventure? Solo adventure. Great question. I think I'm sending him to EP and LP. <laughs> okay. Let's hear why. So it's because there's plausible deniability. Right? That's no- genius. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, no, I'm not a big fan of the place. The people that frequent that place are not my type of people. And uh, I've never had it's anything... Like- it's very sceny, right? It's like a very sceny, like almost clubstaurant in West Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, you you think that your your bully would be a great fit there, basically. Exactly. I and like if you that. hated it, if you hated it, I'm like, dude, I just sent you to one of the coolest places in LA. Yeah, right. It's like it's on lists and shit. So you you really have some plausible deniability there. Exactly. I like it's the perfect crime. Yeah. All right, so, okay, next scenario. You're doing great so far. You're at a Dodgers game, and they're winning 25 to nothing. You know, normally you don't like to leave games early, but given the low stakes of the game, you give in to your annoying, non-sports-loving friend. You know, it's the type of friend who thinks they're being funny by calling it sports ball. You know the yes. one. Um, so because the, the Dodgers are up 25 nothing, you agree to dip out early and, uh, and show your friend a nearby hotspot. Where do you take him? How nearby are we talking? Like, can I include Chinatown? Yeah, Chinatown counts. I want to say Helen Ray's because it's if they're especially if they're not from t- town. But I think that's a little it's a little basic. Yeah, no, I I think that's a good shout. Also, because if you go to Howlin' Rays during a Dodger game, you might actually not get the longest line. Exactly. So that's a good way to, 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 to be smart about going to such a, a, a place that has a heinous experience sometimes. <laughs> um, I might actually pivot, though, because, you know, that seems like such a, such a normal place to go. A normie place? Yeah, exactly. Um, let me see. Was that Angry Ergo? Was that? Angry Egret. Egret. There it is. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. That's a great shot. So you're taking him to Wes, Wes Avila's Torta shop instead. Exactly. Because that's yeah. – it, it is one of those things that every foodie knows about at this point. But yeah. it's still not in the – you know, I know people who – I had a friend actually, for example. I had a friend the other day that asked me if I'd ever heard of Detroit-style pizza. Yeah, because – and, <laughs> and, and are they not really a foodie friend? No, not at all. Yeah. and But they know about Howlin' Rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So if your non-foodie friend who just discovered Detroit pizza knows about Hal and Ray's, then it's probably not cool anymore. Yeah, it's like, it's like your grandma finding out about the, you know, if your grandma listens to Eminem, you've pretty much given up on it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, that's your time to sell your, uh, your copy of the Marshall Mathers EP. Exactly. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So I like Angry Gret. I think... Um, I think it's really interesting because it's it's Wes Avila. Like he obviously has um, Katine now in Hollywood, mm-hmm. but I, I that's kind of his more like buttoned up restaurant. Yeah, and he kind of uses Angry Gret. I've been told as his like um, lab to try new things. So it's it's really exciting place to eat because it's never the same twice. Exactly. Uh, I've been a couple times for breakfast, and then I went once because they were doing like a 
like a sea urchin tostada that I had to. Have. Oh yeah, I love I that. Like, I mean, I'm into that. That is that is the thing about living in Los Angeles that I do love is there's a wonderful sushi restaurant every five miles. It's true. It's I I've I've recently heard some people describe it as L.A. has the best sushi in America in terms of just like where do you go run of the mill sushi? It's always going to be high quality, but in terms of like five star, six star sushi experiences, actually New York is better. Really? That's what I've heard. I can't vouch for it, but um, I do, I do agree with the first point. I don't think there's anywhere else outside of Japan where you can get such incredible sushi on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, to be fair, I've never had the $300 a person sushi in New York. Yeah, me either. But uh, one day, that's that'll be part of our uh, New Haven pizza <laughs> trip. We'll take a quick detour. Exactly. Just do it one time. Yeah. There All is right. a. We we okay. have we got we got a couple more scenarios for you. You're doing great so far. Okay. Okay. Let's okay. Go. You ready? So you just completed a na- a harrowing Breaking Bad style meth cook in the San Bernardino desert, like Palm Springs area. Okay. It, it got dicey there for a second, but you were able to meet the cartel's needs without blowing up the trailer that also happens to be your lab. Where do you celebrate on your way back to LA? I'm geez, I'm going to stop in the San Gabriel Valley and going to get Chinese food. I love that. What uh, do you have a spot of choice? Um, I don't have a spot of choice. I'm trying to think of, cause I've tried a lot of the regional Chinese food in the San Gabriel Valley and I'd probably like find a good Hunan regional mm-hmm. food. So the spicy oils, it's like some like, like fried eggplant in spicy chili oil. I love rice. that. The type of uh, spice that kind of like numbs your mouth, like the Sichuan style. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, one of my favorite restaurants is Sichuan Impression. Have you been there? I have not. Oh, my God. We got to go, man. That is uh, that is they have one in Westwood and they have one in the San Gabriel Valley. And uh, they have this dish, which is just like whole fried prawns like heads and everything uh with sichuan peppers it is one of the best dishes i've had maybe ever you know i I do think that we are lucky to live right next to the san gabriel valley because there are some beautiful chinese restaurants over there yeah i've been really exploring it more and more recently and um last week we went to 101 noodle express have you been there no Dude, okay, you gotta get there. Um, they have great noodles. They and, and and it's really funny because you can either pick regular noodle or hand torn noodle, and the hand torn noodles are only like fifty cents extra. So why wouldn't you do that? Um, but the the move here is the beef roll. Uh, okay, it is out of this world. It's like got that flaky, almost like croissant dough wrap, you know. And inside, it's this really tender meat with this incredible Hoisin sauce and herbs. It's uh, it's a meal into unto itself, but uh, that that would probably be what I do after celebrating my Breaking Bad style meth cook. Yeah, I mean, if you got to start, there is something, um, I because I don't know what it is, but Chinese food just feels like once you've had a long day, you have some Chinese. Food. Yeah, yeah, out of the box, like you know exactly. Box, yeah, 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 totally. No, that's a great shout. Okay, so far you're winning the game, my man. But I have one more question for you. Okay. One more okay. scenario. Your college roommate wins the lottery. They're now a billionaire. Where do you recommend they celebrate, assuming they can just hop in the PJ and go anywhere in the world? 
Oh, this is a good one. Literally, world is your oyster. And right. also, also assuming they're a good college roommate and uh, will bring you along. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't change too much. I think, I, I think we have to go get on the, the PJ. We're going, we're going to Japan. We're going to go to like that Jiro Dreams of Sushi, yeah. sushi restaurant in the subway. I love that. You know, like, like, you know, and you know, like rich people would love that shit. You know, like there's nothing like rich people love more than just like pretending to be poor. So exactly. like, and, and even though like this roommate is about as nouveau riche as it gets, um, that, that sounds like something they would most likely be into. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the experience. Cause I mean, you're, I think I impulsively wanted to say, Oh, we're going to per se or going to, you know, Noma. Yeah, French Laundry, one of these places, right? Exactly. Yeah. But why? They can do that whenever they want. No, it's true. I feel like uh, – and they're coming to you as their foodie friend. I'm also assuming this is the same friend that asked you if you've ever heard of Detroit-style pizza. Um, <laughs> so presumably <laughs> not a foodie. Yeah, if it's that friend, we're going to go ahead and uh, – we're just going to go to the local Burger King. And yeah. they have a great deal on the Whopper. Or, or just take them straight to Buddy's Rendezvous and have the original Detroit-style pizza in Detroit. Oh, there you go. And then you can be like, yeah, I have heard of it. <laughs> Michael, you won the game. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, uh, th- thanks for joining us. Before we, before we wrap here, where can people find you? Um, so I'm on TikTok with, at Eat with Fat P. And uh, Instagram, it's fat underscore fuck. That's fuck with a ph, right? That's fuck with a ph. You you might find a slightly different account if uh, if you don't use the ph. Um, you know, you never know. Live a little people. <laughs> Live a little people. On that note, <laughs> thanks for joining, Michael. No problem. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. See you in New Haven. Exactly. Thanks for listening to another episode of the LA Food Podcast. Thanks to Michael Kanata, a.k.a. Fatfuck, for joining us as our guest. If you like what you heard, be sure to go to wherever you listen to podcasts, drop us a rating or a review. And if you want to find me, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the LA Countdown. That's T-H-E-L-A-C-O-U-N-T-D-O-W-N.